Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Ricky, and with me as always is Bill. Hey. Brandon. Wait, what? <laughs> We're going with oh, that bean one. Beaned in. And James. Hello. We are a couple of disabled guys passionate about, passionate about gaming and dis- accessibility. And together we are real life problems. Wow, that was one butchered intro. Yeah, I mean, you can see the problems already, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everything falling apart at the seam. Oh, God. (laughs) The humanity. Was that that planned, Brandon, or did you really not know we were doing the intro? Oh, that was totally planned. Oh, sweet. (laughs) I like that. It's like, I will only respond to beamed in from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently that's, that's my new name. (laughs) <laughs> is it beaned in or bean dip? Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, great. Savage. Now I know what I'm going to say every single time I go into his Twitch chat from now on. Want to call him bean dip? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I apologize. You probably find that in my, um, I have that, uh, what, what do you call it? Do you have bean dip on your That, like, what? panel no. where you can, like... <laughs> Or that like overlay thing, yeah. You can set up a sound to play whenever you hop into my. Ch- uh, oh wait, you can set it up yourself. I believe so. <laughs> Bean dip here. I don't know. It might be. It might be like a sub only thing. I'll have to check. It's your bean dip. All right. Well, moving on beyond beyond the butchered intro. How's everyone doing today? That intro is amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. In yeah, least small I part, probably myself and my, you know, amazing sense of humor. <laughs> At least I didn't interrupt Brand- uh, not James this time. No, that's two in a row. You're on a, a hot streak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or I'll get butchered eventually. Next yeah. Next recording, I'll be like, and James. Oh, we'll go past. No, interrupted. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> So, new episode, new time, new day. So, uh, Brandon, you went to Tenacon recently. Tell us about that. How was that? It was, um, and I kind of, I don't know if I'm biased, but I say that I say this a lot. Canadian conventions are just way better than American conventions. It was in Canada. Yeah. Oh, oh goodness, Canada. Yes. Um. So. The offices for Digital Extremes, which is the company that produce that makes and produces uh, Warframe, they operate out of uh, London, Ontario. So the uh, Tenocon, and this is like a, I mean, I even I was uh, kind of impressed at like the scale of this thing. Um, they they probably had a good two thousand maybe three possibly five thousand people at like towards like it's at its high point maybe hmm and it it was just awesome people were just like walking around um just being warframe fans and um, if I can yeah. interrupt you for a second, for like those yeah. of you that, I mean, for those listeners that are totally not naive, can you describe what Tenacon is other than just a Warframe uh, event? Well, that uh, that's actually what it is. It's a convention for fans of the game Warframe, and um, I think this uh, this convention, I guess, gets a little bit of notice or note because. Um, they did the whole accessibility thing really, really well. In what? Uh, okay. Uh, how do you mean? Like, in what situations or instances? Um. Well, I mean, I'm talking about um, making sure that they have an elevator, and this place that they were at, they had multiple elevators, escalators. All the halls, hallways were really wide. Um, I mean, everybody was 
really consider it. And well, then, yeah, it was um, it was pretty fantastic. Now the after party locale, not so much. Ooh, do tell. Sounds juicy. Uh, I mean, it was at just at a bar across the street, and that place had like a very small area that um, where we could hang out, like that was barrier free. And then everyone else was either like two steps up or two steps down. It was one one of those type of places, but it had like maybe um, six tables that were like available to us. Um, but it was cool though because we got to meet the voice actors, and um, that was that was absolutely awesome. That is, that's pretty awesome, yeah. All the voice characters for the for the game? Mm. I did meet the actress who plays Nora Knight. And Nora Knight runs like a pirate radio broadcasting. And it's kind of like um, how Warframe has uh, taken a seasonal aspect of gameplay. If that makes sense, yeah, uh, where yeah. kind of like how they how uh, Diablo kind of like started with it, and then it's been taken up by a lot of other games, right? Um, and she kind of like has all these really awesome like words of encouragement, and I got to meet her, and she was really sweet um, because she. It was really funny because she didn't know anything about the game. Like, this is just, like, a voice acting job um, when she that she just took. So she got invited to this convention that she didn't even know, like, what to expect. And everybody, and I mean everybody, was coming up to her uh, telling her how much, how much they just loved her performance, and it was uh, it was really cool to watch her panel because they had a really interesting uh, talk about like how sound is like made, how sounds are made in video games. Oh, sound, like, is, sound design. Yeah, sound design. Uh, yeah, where they'll go out to like. Uh, random places and uh, record sounds of random things. I like ADR. Um, that's what they do in movies. Like they actually will record. Like for instance, like they want a lawnmower sound, they might actually record a lawnmower. Or, or oh yeah, 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 yeah. guncocks. Sure. Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah, those types of things. My buddy actually. Is doing some sound design for a movie right now. Oh, really? That's awesome. So it's an independent movie that I'm going to be in. Shameless plug. We have an actor here among us. Yeah. Well, anyways, we have to get back to his. his <laughs> yeah. I mean, other than that, it was a it, it was a fantastic um, convention, and everybody um, there was. We only have really like one other Warframe partner that is physically disabled. Um, and she was telling us that um, every year they've been getting like better, they've been getting better and better. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned, hey, this year they didn't have like. Um, ASL interpreters for um, you know for people who use use sign language, and chances are next next year they'll end up doing that. So uh, I thought it was pretty. Uh, all in all, it was pretty uh, refreshing to see um, you know a convention take so much interest in that. So nice. Mm-hmm. So what was the one highlight other than meeting uh, the voice actor of Tenocon that you, like, 
If you had to come here and tell us, Space like, Mom. Space Mom. Yeah, definitely. Right. I got to meet Space Mom and um, D.E. Megan, the Ginger Ninja. And that was all really awesome. Hey, hey Space Mom's voice does not sound like she has to, like, no, it doesn't sound like her at all. I guess what hap- the way it worked out was that um, when they needed a voice for a character, they would just like say, hey, anyone want to read for this? And the staff would be like, okay. She was the intern, I guess, at the time. And then they just put a bunch of effects on her voice and shit? Um, kind of, yeah. So that you, there was no remnants of anything that you could... Uh, I don't have no idea. To, yeah, no. Well, because you know how sometimes with certain things, like you know, if if a certain person talks, like for instance, Seth MacFarlane, like you you can pick up the fact, oh, that's Brian talking. Precisely. Like, that's because Brian is his natural voice. Yeah, One Brian's his real voice. Yeah, he's not changing. Could you voice. give me a moment? I have to mute myself. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sure if you saw a video of her being interviewed and sort of. Had that there's also a side by side comparison with the voices in the game, you'd see the similarities. Could, or yeah, because here. I mean you can, yeah, because I can pick that up. Like it seems like a lot of times I pick up the voice of an like like say I'm in a different room. Like if I hear their voice, but I think that comes down to some people have more iconic voices than others. Like Sean Connery, for example, that's really iconic. Like you, like, it's one of those voices that's just. You can tell it's him, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, there's there's a few other. Yeah, it's just this. Um, you know, some actors, some actresses are really distinctive. All right, well, I guess Yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, it was a fantastic um, convention just in general because um, I felt uh, really, wel- really welcomed by the community, you know, as a partner. People would come up to me and say, hey, I like your stream. I like your streams. Um, I really enjoy watching you play. So and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, that's and really awesome. Thank you so much. Were you there only yeah. as a guest, and people recognized you? Mm-hmm. Oh, Did nice. anybody ask for an autograph? <laughs> What's that? Everybody asked oh, for no. an autograph. No, but there was a time that like you could just like. Um, chill at these tables and people would come and ask for autographs and like uh, my friend Navi who is the other gal in a chair that is a Warframe partner uh, she was getting like she was having all kinds of people um, ask for autographs because they would be waiting for other people online. They would just be like, oh, well, will you sign mine? And it's like... You should have just set up a table for yourself and offered autographs. I swear, next year I'm totally... (laughs) Next year I'm totally going to try and do that sort of thing. Awesome. I'm excited. Well... Glad you had a good time at Tenacon. So let's yeah. move on. Uh, our next topic, we're talking about video game piracy. Ooh, excited. Pirate? Arr. It's um, a good old time. Just kidding. <laughs> so I was doing some research on video game piracy over the weekend, and I found a few couple interesting things. Uh, one that I learned that there's a whole lot of communities that dedicate their time to it. And I learned that oh, people who pirate games are called cracks, if uh, if that's correct. I don't know if James, you can verify that. You you seem to be a little more knowledge not more knowledgeable on the piracy end. Oh, I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like maybe like sort of crackers or something like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It just seems like a very hilarious name to be mm. kind of put under. Like, crackers. Crackers? Mm-hmm. So, um, reason we're going on uh, piracy was um, some people, we had uh, the question of, like, how can 
what can we use piracy for in like the disability world? Like has anyone had here experience with piracy or used it in terms of being able to play a game that they otherwise couldn't or anything like that? But but how would that fall under piracy? If it's, like, um, Dragon Edge, really speaking, I'm not going to lie. All right, explain. I bought, um, well, I bought version 7.0 and they ask you to buy it like each and every time that they you know release a new version. Which is ridiculous. And it's incredibly expensive, so I'm just like, to hell with oh, yeah, you. It's like a 300, $150 to $300 software. Right, and they, they oh, want okay. you to pay for it every single time. I get like, the perspective nope. that we're coming from, okay. Nope, nope, nobody to nope. So I just, yeah. Sorry it's, about pretty, that, it's pretty easy if you know where to look. Yeah. And I've been doing that sort of thing since, like, the Napster days. <laughs> oh, Napster. Man, that's like... Napster. Bringing it back to the old original days of piracy, wow, music, wow. video, music, movies, and all that Vicious. stuff, and Metallica days, and the Metallica war against Napster. Uh, that was, was pretty funny. I still hate it? you, but I like you at the same time. Huh? I like you as a drummer. I don't like when you run your mouth. Oh, <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> yeah, right. because to me, to me, if we're talking about piracy from another note, what I actually found interesting is that it actually helped artists. People actually started buying the records that were hardcore fans. Um, just, just throwing that out there. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. Hey, go download a bunch of music. I mean, if, pay ten dollars. Use Spotify or use Google Music. I mean, it's really easy. I, I do that. I mean, I could. Yeah, sure. I could go on YouTube and do YouTube to MP3 and download YouTube videos all day if I wanted to. But why mm-hmm. should I? It's too much of a pain. Right. Spotify is the product that Nap is the innovation that Napster could have done, but they just weren't. They just didn't have the whole thing there. So, well, really, technology Spotify, is finally caught up to be able to be, to make streaming yeah. more accessible. Yeah, but I'm just saying that that that's an innovation. But anyways, I feel like one of the problems with the I feel like a lot of these companies don't think about the fact that. Well, first off, people that do have disabilities, and depending on how severe it is, um, uh, the financial burden might be a lot more for them because in some cases, due to the fact that due to the disability you may have, um, it might result in you not being able to work a regular um, type of job. Um, It might, you know, I mean, maybe it would be accommodation, but I'm just saying that your financial situation might be strained a bit. And I'm just saying that it doesn't mean that every person that's handicapped, you know, has a financial situation, but I feel like there are a lot of people that I know that do and are in a difficult situation where it's like, if they need some sort of hardware or software, they don't have the extra funds to just go around throwing out $300 every year. You know? mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah. to me, I feel like there should be a better thought, because I mean, shit. Have you looked at how equipment is in the whole handicap industry? These people are, are 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 robbing us. You know. I mean, I feel like I hate to say it that way, but it's the truth. I mean, have you seen how much a wheelchair is? If you don't have insurance, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's just most of the times. If you do have insurance, you're screwed. Yeah, it depends mm-hmm. on the insurance. Can you give me an example of uh of that piracy relating to video games that? Where, say, quote unquote, being robbed. What the uh, some sort of connection in the video game realm? Yeah, or or any example that you have where maybe you've had to do it yourself or such and such. Well, not necessarily, um, not access, not necessarily from an accessible standpoint. But there was a point where, you know, um, Adobe, for example, um, <laughs> I've had to. I have a copy of that that was uh, sketchy. I have a legit one now, but <laughs> I had one for years because I just, you know, I I just couldn't afford yeah. what they had. But but I do like uh, well the way that I felt about it is if I'm doing something legit, 
I kind of have to pay for it if I can. I mean, well, I should, because I'm just saying, like that. If that ever came out, that would be really bad on me. And what would you know? Wouldn't that make me look kind of like? That wouldn't make me look good. I guess is what I'm saying because it make me look like you know. I don't want people to perceive that wants to steal things because that was never never has been my intention. But I feel like sometimes there are things that are ridiculously overpriced, and it's almost like the software developer forgot about their demographic, the type of people that would be buying this, um, especially with like Dragon Natural Speaking. I mean, it's a pretty known fact that is a software that is mainly used in the accessible in the disability community. Um, there are some people that use it outside of it, but its origin its original thing was I'm pretty sure it was marketed that way. But it's mm-hmm. like if you need to know your audience mm. or you need to know your your consumer and I feel like there might be a lack thereof. Or maybe they do know their consumer and they're taking advantage. I think right. I think um generally from like a disability perspective, the thing that would make me most likely to pirate a game would be the worry that I wouldn't be able to play it after I'd bought it. Um, certainly there's been quite a few games in the past that I've bought and you know downloaded, installed them and then not really been able to play them just because like maybe the text size would be too small or you know something like that so um, but these days it's a little bit easier especially if you're buying through something like Steam where you've got the two hours refund sort of guarantee so you can test it before you you know, commit to playing through the whole game. You know, if it takes you more than two hours to work out the accessibility the issues with it, then I mean, I suppose that could happen. Um, but two hours seems like a pretty good amount of time, at least for me, to figure out whether or not the text size is going to be readable for me and things like. That. Um, yeah, well, Steam their money. Yeah, that's why they give that that ridiculous window. But that's a great way to kind of uh, deter against piracy if you give someone like. Like James just said, a two-hour window for a refund, then they'll know if they can play it or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that's true. But, I mean, usually there's been a lot of stuff where it's, like, on Steam. It's a Steam sale. It's a dollar or five bucks. I'm just like, eh, like and then I'll, I, I don't play it. But I guess it, I guess they count it for the play time. But then again, if you, if you had a game that you bought and you haven't played it in, like, a year... Um, you're not going to be able to get that refund. Yeah, oh, yeah then that's yeah. on you. I mean, I've had a refund yeah, rejected for that exact reason. <laughs> it's like you've had this game for a while, bud. Yeah, I that can have an I can give an example of when I had like an instance of a game piracy where I wanted to play a game was uh so as listeners of the show may know I'm like quadriplegic so my hands don't work right and I wanted to play um Pokemon the old Game Boy Pokemon's. And uh, there was an emulator that came out on the iPhone and you had to like basically, you know, download pirate all the games you could. And I was able to play Pokemon Gold. No, not Pokemon Yellow on my phone at the time. And that was a great time where I had to pirate something and was able to play it for myself. Um, If if it weren't for me just being able to want to play and stuff, you know, of course, I'd go out there and buy a Game Boy and play it myself. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, and uh, I, I, although obviously like it's still IP theft and all that, it's still illegal and all that, but it's it's, it's hard to argue against you know someone who would you know for you know health, medical, disability reasons, whatever, be completely unable to play it otherwise, just downloading it that way and playing it on a, on a phone or something. Oh, nice. Especially when obviously okay. Nintendo aren't presenting, or you know. The developer, more broadly, isn't developing any sort of pro- any other means by which you or anybody else with with, um, <clears throat> with those sort of input issues to to play it. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it it's definitely circumstantial, and but you can like it. No, of course, throughout this, we're not condoning piracy, but we're just no. you know talking about it and you know giving examples and stuff and such. But yeah, if like. Talking about our own experiences with piracy. Mm. Say again? Looks like someone said something, and that's why the price points are high, kind of like pharmaceuticals. People will pay the price because they, yeah, because they need it to live, yeah. And then there's just, like, the customer service angle. Totally take advantage of you. Like, 
for sure. How do you know if you're really going to be able to play a game unless you give it a try on your own system? And a lot of times I pirated a game before buying it. So there's, you know, that. Yes, to be able to know if you could play it or not, right? But you still support the release once once you know you're able to, you know, fully adapt to it, I guess, for lack of a better term. Precisely. And in a lot of cases, like, if games would, um, like, come out with their, like, screenshots of their, um, uh, what's it called? of their option screens, then chances are I wouldn't even need to do that because, uh, you know, I know a lot more about what you can and can't do in the game. Right. So you're saying in an instance, a a good way for companies to be, for companies to avoid being pirated is to release more information about the game than, if I'm paraphrasing, is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. And totally agree. Um, yeah. Game piracy. It's a fun thing. Well, what I find interesting is how there's studios that no longer no longer exist, and there's this whole ROMs thing, which I'm not, again, I'm not condoning it, but I'm just saying... If you want to use the emulator and you figured out some way to create ROMs from things that you already have, then that's cool. Although oh, we do know that they gracious. exist on the internet, but I'm not telling you to go download them because it's just. But I'm just I'm just making the point that I find it kind of curious how Nintendo becomes all upset about this when a lot of these companies that were making money off of this no longer are. And the thing that I find funny is that what do you think used game stores are doing? They're, I mean, they're they're sell they're taking money, you know, that's going in their pocket. No, it's not going back to Nintendo anymore at this point. Um, it's pre-owned, but I know that's. I'm not trying to make the argument for it to be okay, but I'm just saying I find it interesting how it's almost like it's almost like a double standard in a way, sort of. But I mean, not completely. So, I'm just, in a sense, are you saying piracy is okay? If um, you know the company, the original company is getting their money, but you're not profiting off of the what you're pirating. I don't know. I necessarily think that. I guess it's more. I'm just questioning it. Like just like kind of like it's more of a question as like you know just a curiosity. I guess it will. How I just think it's kind of interesting how that works. Like how it's, Nintendo's not upset about those, but they're upset about the you know. The ROMs on the internet and stuff, but I mean, I I think it's interesting, like when they got upset about it, because it had been going on like for a really long time before they said something about it, um, which I find interesting because it must have been hurting them in some way for them to say something. I guess I don't know, but there's there's well, in, in terms of, ways- of the example that you're giving out, you know, they already made the money off of that product, and now that product's just being handed like being passed around as like a hand-me-down almost yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at and i don't know does that make sense to anybody i mean it does but as in terms of like piracy yeah you know like they're not if you (laughs) just pirating the game but not buying it in general or buying it secondhand then they're not making any money at all at all yeah i mean that's true that's true i mean the original developers not make money but there is an exchange of where it was like someone else's product and you know but there's still there's still interesting things because you'll find like being a video game collector you'll find items that say not for resale and they are sold <laughs> like there's i've i've collected many many a thing like for going in these retro stores you know like that are like that um which i think it's really funny it's just because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have flied like you know back when it came out but you know well i think down the road (laughs) when people mention something that's not for resale i think they mean like in terms of uh putting it back through the market but like you know aftermarket resale seems like okay 
Like say if yeah, I bought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, you know, like the whole no resale thing is that applies to like if I bought a game and it said not for resale, but I owned a game shop and then I, I put that game up for sale and taxed it and then used it for my own um, profit that way, you know, put it back through the actual resale market. Then I feel like that's where the legality issues come in. But if you're just selling it secondhand through private, like private um, ownership, then I don't think that's what that no resale. Yeah, yeah, is but I've about. seen it like at other retro stores before but i mean we're talking about stuff that's really old about right gotcha but at, at the same time i think that's i guess it's just I, I guess the other point that i'm making is it just shows the greed of a corporation is all i'm saying because the fact that they are willing to go after go after you know somebody like for like uh i don't know i get why they would be irritated by it on the site but i don't know at the same time it's like why don't you like maybe you should offer more of your games in your in your your online store and you wouldn't have this problem. Yeah, I kind of see it as being like the like when Napster appeared and CD sales kind of collapsed, no. you know. Um, but then iTunes appeared and people started buying music again, albeit in smaller quantities. Yeah, but you know if you give people uh, a good deal, if you offer them. You know, a good product at a reasonable price, we'll go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to just saying, I feel like a, it's like an afterthought, I guess. Kind of like how there was this whole lawsuit with the Jason um, or his property. This guy comes back 30 years saying, oh, it was my idea. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how, like, you know, simplicity of getting the product to someone can avoid piracy altogether, you know, convenience. Um, just kind of like how you said earlier, Bill, like, you know, Spotify, people don't pirate music as much because now it's just that the ease of accessibility is there. Well, well, to me, like, I mean, you can't tell me that you see $10 unlimited, no commercials. You you pretty much have access anywhere. Um, I mean, how can you beat that? And if you just, and another thing is, is that if you have it on your desktop computer, you get the benefit of the unlimited just from your it's, home. Yeah, it's long been like proven that given a reasonably priced legal alternative, people will choose that over actual piracy. Any well, because the, the other, the other thing that we need, I think we should talk, uh, we should kind of discuss too, is the fact that we a lot of times. There's other other things that could be take, you could be t getting taken advantage of in other ways because basically the whole idea is is that you know some some asshole could decide to post something on a website, make it look like this legitimate thing, which it's not legitimate because you know it's already illegal to begin with, but <laughs> um, they'll make it look like oh you can download this game and it's like you download this game it's like. Oh, by the way, you just downloaded a Trojan horse. Yeah, you know, like, like, <laughs> right. So, so there is that whole whole aspect of it to where I feel like it, you know, the safety of the fact that oh, I know this is a safe marketplace. Like, there's been times that I bought, I could have bought a game somewhere else, but I bought it at a higher price on Steam because the fact that I was like, I don't trust this. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't. It's like a little sketchy, you know. For sure, that's that's certainly one of the things that puts me off piracy these days. Is you know, there's a few websites that I used to shop at that have had maybe big security scares because they don't invest in like data protection, and like there's been a few websites that, I mean, goodness, going on like eighteen, nineteen, twenty years ago now, but like I would at one point I would have been downloading cracks for PC games so that we could play the multiplayer with a single copy of the disc sort of thing, and. You know, I've always wondered why my computer would always be so broken, why it would always be running so slow and need to need formatting and Windows reinstalls mm. so often, and it's you know it's just because the cracks are absolutely full of viruses. So well, it's like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, th what was interesting is The Witcher Three was DRM free, or whatever they call it. Um, and my buddy literally let me borrow the disc, and I was able to download the game. I don't know how that's possible, but I don't know. I was surprised at that. I was shocked at that, actually. But you, know, you could you could do that. And now CD Projekt Red are gone. Oh no! Wait, no. Sorry, the opposite's true. They're massive. 
It's funny how that works out. <laughs> for They're breathtaking. They were not destroyed by making their game DRM free. Nobody, nobody, nobody picked up on that reference. Well, breath, I'm... they're breathtaking. <laughs> you know, the cyberpunk, Keanu Reeves, CD Projekt Red. He said that at the E3. Mm-hmm. Just... <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, might be just best to let that joke die, Bill. <laughs> Yep. No, no, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> Unless you want to explain it one more time. Well, why, why would we explain it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the best jokes are the ones that need long drawn out explanations. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, funny yeah. because of this, this, and that. Yeah. But do you have any instances where you've been like, where you, uh, you guys have had a, uh, or any game that you've like had to pirate because there was no other way to get a hold of it? I think. Hmm. Because there are not, some cases not where lately, but there are games that you cannot, you can no longer get in any other form, like uh, Diablo Two, for example. Like I had to find a download of that. Like, well, you can buy that's that coming that. back. I have Diablo Two. You should be able to. You can buy uh, that one. That actually, from... never mind. The first one is the one that I couldn't, I couldn't find to buy. I have a buy of that. Yeah, you should be able to buy that. I think the first one has only recently been re-released on like GOG or Steam or something. Yep, it's GOG. I have it on GOG. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah, there's actually a way to play Diablo 2 online. Yeah. Private server. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to think if there's any games that I've really needed to pirate because I couldn't get them elsewhere. I mean, certainly um, you can get like ROM hacks for games that run on MAME, oh, um, ROMs that run on MAME, to add things like colorblind compatibility, colorblind compatibility, or, you know, things like that, just to maybe make the game more playable um, mm-hmm. for someone like myself. But, um, no, it's been a good wee while since I've done anything else. So, I mean, that instance that you... uh that little example that you just gave about having to change color to be able to play a game and you have to pirate it. Like at what point do you draw the line of like when piracy is condoned or not, you know, like say, say I was someone who owned a game and I found out someone had to pirate it, you know, to change colors, to be able to play and stuff. Like what would you do in that case? Would you like try and change your game to make it so you could give it out to that person or would you just let them pirate it, you know, and be like, okay, that's just one person. Uh, well, I'd hope that they would. I would hope that the developers would see that that's a reason why it's been pirate, pirated, and make whatever changes are necessary. You know, it's for something like maybe allowing you to change the colors of, you know, the colors of objects in the game. That's maybe not necessarily the hardest change to make. Um, but in the case, at least of the the one that I was talking about there, um, I mean, I've only really had to do it for Super Puzzle Fighter. And I've bought that game like five times on previous systems, importing it from Puzzle Fighter. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, I think like importing it from Japan for the Dreamcast and get sounds neat. Yeah, it's like I've spent crazy amounts of money on that game, and I can barely play it because it's like the yellows and the greens look basically the same to me. But um, you know, with some tweaking with Mame, it can be done. You know, can make change of colors of the some of the gems and it works it's a lot easier to play but yeah honestly um if there's a game that you can't if there's a game that you can't play because there's an accessibility barrier that's fixed by like maybe a rom hack or something like that that the developers aren't touching and the only way to have that implemented is to pirate the game and then you know maybe sort of hack the pirate like do some sort of like hack to the pirated version that isn't possible with the main game then i'd be fine with it I yeah, I feel like if I were a game developer and I heard, say, if I heard, you know, for example, James is downloading my game just to be able to play it because, you know, his disability, I'd feel like I'd take that as sort of a compliment. Be like, we've well, offered a product good enough that people want to get to it no matter what, you know, like they want to play and they want to be able to play it their way so they can play. I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of, I'd see, like I said, I'd see that as a compliment knowing that we have a sought after product. Yeah, but big corporations wouldn't see. 
Yeah, I mean, I would, <laughs> I would hope that there's maybe at least smaller developers would, would see the the, would see the demand for accessibility right. options in their game, from people who are yeah. pirating it to to sort of hack it about and you know do whatever they need to do to it to play it, and then take it, you know, take it upon themselves to add those themselves. Absolutely. But I remember. Um, uh, I don't know if this, if this is even considered pirating at all, but um, like games from different countries that you can't play on like an American systems. Um, when I was younger, me and my brother got the copy of a Dragon Ball fighting game from Japan, and we weren't able to play it on our PlayStation. So what we had to do was get a a regular game up to spinning speed. So you had to like hold the button down to uh, keep the lid open on the PlayStation. Once it got it full up to speed, you pulled the disc out and then put the Dragon Ball game in there while it's spinning full speed. And then that was a hack that we were able to be able to play that game. <laughs> it's called a disc swap. Well, I disc swapped it, yes. Yeah, but I just, I don't, would that be considered piracy at that point? Like, um, Well, interestingly enough, there used to be a product on the market called Bleemcast. Which Bleemcast basically was a product that would allow you to, uh, I think you could play Dreamcast games on a PlayStation or vice versa. Yeah, I think that was the the plan was for it, it to play any PlayStation game. But I think with, by the time they eventually released it, they had to release special versions that would play that would allow you to play only one PlayStation game. So there was like a Metal Gear Solid version and I think a Gran Turismo 2 version. There's a third one, I forget what it was but that was how it worked. Hmm. Blame was a PlayStation emulator designed to allow people to play original PlayStation games on their PC or Dreamcast gaming console. So I guess the way that it would work is there would be like a, it would come with the disc and then you'd have some sort of sort of disc swap that would would go down. Hmm. And it was like a, you know, it was emulating it. It's like the first real emulator for that. Huh. It's really neat. I'm it's like a really neat, neat product. They got completely sued, though. <laughs> I can I can imagine because let that say I feel like that blurs the line of piracy. Uh, yeah, it pretty much did. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like, yeah, downloading the but ROMs. It was a cool product. Downloading the ROMs is probably illegal uh, <laughs> but i'm pretty sure i'm fairly confident that the emulators themselves aren't illegal so like not in themselves no yeah there's a 3ds emulator actually mm. which is kind of crazy so if you can figure out a way to burn uh game <laughs> oh man but I, I yeah i thought bleemcast was definitely worth bringing up because it's definitely interesting piece of history yeah i actually never heard of that before yeah but you actually were kind of doing a <laughs> unintentionally we're doing something uh you know doing a disc swap that's kind of cool that that worked i didn't realize you could do that but that was a pretty typical thing for most of those games that were from difference but how did you figure that out did you look it up or no um the person we got the game from told us about it. They're like, yeah, you got to do this. So it was more of a word of mouth type of thing. So you just put a different game in there, get it going, pop open the lid, and then there. Well, you had to, you had to uh, get a toothpick or a screwdriver or something to hold the lid open because there, oh. the, there was the lock on the PlayStation. So you had to push that lock down so it would spin while open already. Oh, yeah, because that would trick it out to thinking that it was closed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Dreamcast actually was at the heart of one, like, one of the easiest to, uh, easiest to hack, like, like, consoles. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember. I've got a few Dreamcasts. Even, like, most of my Dreamcast games are legit, but I've got a couple of discs that I inherited from my uncle that are just, like, just random games that you just whack them in and they go. And it's... (laughs) It's unbelievable how easy it is. Well, no, they just reversed engineered because basically what Dreamcast wanted to do is they had a karaoke machine and they had this form of disc called Mill CD that could be read. And basically they figured out a way to trick the co- trick the console into 
skipping over a regular CDR code and figuring out a way to, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it was, it wasn't all that hard to do. It didn't take them that long to figure out. And a lot of people say that it was the death of the console, but it wasn't just that they had a bad release on it. Um, uh, Sega Saturn didn't do well in the United States. Anywhere. Um, <laughs> I don't think it maybe did well in Japan, well, but yeah. It it actually did pretty well in Japan. And actually, the Japanese really liked it. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Um, it definitely didn't have the comeback that the Genesis did because what the Genesis did is they, you know, Sonic thing. They brought out, they, they paired Sonic with it and then it started to sell like hotcakes. But anyways. <laughs> Is um I guess I should have done this in my research, but is do games have um a time limit for when you can pirate them? Because uh you know there's so for as far as like software huh. goes, um software has a time limit. Like uh say you wanted to get Photoshop, but um but you know you're obviously not gonna you can't pirate the new version or you can't find it out there. Um after a while, companies just release it as freeware. Um so like uh. Say if you wanted like Photoshop CS4, like that really old version of stuff. Um, yeah, they like for lack of a better explanation, like they're not allowed to sell it anymore, but they're able to allow they're allowed to it's allowed to be out there for free under like freeware type of things. I'm wondering if video games have that same time allotment, you know, like it's been fifty years since so and so has been published and it's for such an old system that it's just out there for free now. Mm. Uh, I don't think so. That's about at the very least. I think that the the laws that apply to other uh, forms of intellectual property, like books, films, music, and all that, probably apply just the same to games. Because, uh, well, if you're going back to videos and games, um, that's actually applies to a lot of movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, what was the the first zombie movie, uh, Night of the Living Dead, or whatever? I think that was yeah. it. Yeah, it's, is. It's, uh... Uh, they say the one reason why the zombie genre flourished after that was because they didn't get an into intellectual property on that, and people were able to like copy and make their own thing. Like the term "zombie" itself, you know, wasn't wasn't um, patented. I guess the word term would be. And well, uh, Romero was always going to be like known as a zombie king, that horse. Yeah, exactly. But because. Like, that was before, like intellectual property days were really like you know hard, firm type of thing. That that was able to make the the zombie genre flourish because people were like, oh, well, let me do my interpretation on it, as opposed to being like, no, that's a zombie's a coined phrase. You're not allowed to use that in your movies or anything or games or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like with uh, Nosferatu. You can watch that for free now. I mean, it's the movie was made in like 1920. I mean, it's old. It's old, but that that one's a good movie, actually. And I know Disney. Um, oh, they has did found, some trickery. Yeah, they found a loophole to keep the Mickey oh, Mouse yeah. under intellectual property, uh, but it yeah, should be in the public. Video on the... Yeah, it should be in the public domain now, but they keep finding a loophole to keep yeah, it I underneath. Forget, the... mm. I forget how it worked, but it was like there was this really well to do. There was this really well done video that I saw on that that like blew my mind, like on the whole thing. Yeah, so I wish I thought of this when I was doing my piracy research earlier, but like it makes me just wonder, you know, how how does that affect games in terms of intellectual property and public public domain? Yeah, I mean, like I don't think most I don't think most games are old enough to really have fallen into public domain just yet. But I mean, there's tons of games out there that you know the developers have closed, the publishers have closed. In those circumstances, I mean, like, I mean, who's really gonna come after you for it? You know, it's bit. Yeah, but the, there's other cases where they've recreated where the fans came and made it available for PC and Fantasy Star Online, hmm. the original game. You can play Fantasy Star Online Blue Shift, um, because there, if you had the regular disc, well, if you had the regular disc, you could actually still play online if you had a Ethernet adapter, if you had a um thing that tricks tricks the Dreamcast into thinking it's a dial-up modem, but you're really plugged up to an Ethernet um, and you can go online with it. Uh, Raspberry Pi, one of those little so yeah. you can play online. There's a lot of there's a lot of that that's going on. Just 
you know, they've stopped the support online because obviously GameSpy or whatever is no longer around. Yeah, you know, nobody's yeah. maintaining the servers, so therefore, you know, you have to you have to make a private server for it to be for it to be possible. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot of times, a lot of these older online games, they're able to bring them back to life, and I think it, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's kind of cool. Hmm. It just it kind of runs into problems then when, like, I mean, you mentioned Fantasy Star Online, so that's that's Sega, right? And obviously, yeah. um, like Fantasy Stars, probably one of their. I mean, it's just one of their older franchises, and it's but it's still going because of. I mean, the E three they just announced Fantasy Star well, Online two, PSO two, awesome. yeah, yeah. So it's. I think where things are still like a going concern for the publisher, then, you know, the the people that are trying to do keep the servers going or launching private servers and things might run into a little bit of bother with the publishers, but. But I think Sega has appreciated it. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, because it's like PSO is basically a, like a it was like a dead franchise well, over here for so long. I mean, when if you think of if you think of Sega, I mean, you think of I feel like if you're talking Dreamcast, you think of Fantasy Star Online, and then uh, obviously if you also think of Sega, you think of Sonic. I mean, those are really the two big, <laughs> two of their biggest uh, things that they've ever done. I'll be honest, I never heard of Fantasy Star. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're in the Dreamcast community, it's like ever we're in the Dreamcast. But most people, a lot of people didn't have them because, like, when I was a kid, uh, my parents were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, it was the same. There's no way I could have got my Dreamcast online. <laughs> yeah, actually, I remember when me and my brother were younger, we asked for a Dreamcast for Christmas, and we ended up getting a PlayStation 2, and we were bummed about it. Oh, no, smart, Turns pa- out. smart parents. <laughs> yeah. Turns PS- out we got the better end of the deal in the long run, but just... PS2 was a great system, right? But, mm, but anyway, well, unless anyone's got anything to add about some piracy, I feel like it's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, I don't think we have enough time to get into disability education. We can, yeah, no. we can float that onto next our next episode. All right, start that off I'm with. Like that. Yeah, I feel like we can really get into disability and education for the next episode. Yeah, cool. So, anyone have any last minute thoughts on video game piracy? Don't do no. it! <laughs> I think we've run, we've run it dry. Don't do it, we don't want to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, we, we are neither condoning or telling you to go pirate, but we were just, you know, if you do your thing, you do your thing. Just don't tell us about it. But. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wheel Life Problems. You can subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter at Problems Wheel. You can follow me on social media. I'm at The Rickles. You can follow Bill. He is Wheelchair Gamer with a three for the E. You can follow Brandon at Accessible Gamer. And you can follow James at his very original name, James Kyle. <laughs> Thanks again. And remember to keep it wheel. Don't forget to follow the Twitch channel. Oh yeah, follow. The, do follow the Twitch channel. Follow that. Keep it you wheel. Want to.